Friends, this is kind of how the process of arriving at our mission and vision has felt. We knew the view from the top was going to be good. We knew the effort would be worth it, but we were not quite sure how to get there. We maybe didn't take the most direct path, but we went with friends, we asked for help, and we got more guidance along the way. We want to let you in on more of the process that Session and senior staff have been part of for more than three years now so that you can share in our sense of God's leading and direction. Our first time of earnestly discerning God's leading for our mission and purpose began in November 2020. But of course, it didn't actually begin on that day. For some time, our clerk of session had been helping us move towards gaining more focus and clarity in what we were aiming for. And even before that, about 12 to 15 years ago, Courtright went through a time of examination and discernment that some of you were part of to come up with our previous vision and mission statements. They were good and fit the times, but the biggest issue with them was they weren't being used. We've learned from that, and this video series is part of our work to order ourselves around the mission statement. When we did a scan of KPC's culture, ministries, and programs in recent years, we felt that as a church, we were doing a lot of different things without a cohesive purpose and focus. Some of you told us you wanted more focus, direction, and clarity, and so we started a more concerted effort toward gaining that insight and clarity in November 2020. We surveyed the staff and session to find out who are we? What is unique about Courtright? How has God shaped us? What's our DNA? What's important to us? And we pooled the responses together to create a list of our common values. The central question that emerged for us was, who is God calling us to be? In order to answer who is God calling us to be, we first considered who we are. This initial list of our values helped get us started. And these values included worship, including our desire to be Christ-centered and spirit-led. Discipleship, we have a desire to grow and be formed spiritually. We want to live out faith in our whole lives and in relationship with one another. Scripture is the basis for our life as a community and for our beliefs and doctrine. Prayer, we have many opportunities for prayer, and we aim to undergird all we do in prayer. Community, we value relationships and life together and taking care of one another amidst difficulties. We come from a range of ethnic, cultural, socioeconomic, and denominational backgrounds, and we see this as an expression of God's kingdom. Intergenerational, we are known as an intergenerational church and have meaningful relationships across ages and stages of life. Mission and outreach, we see ourselves in a position to care for and contribute to the needs of our city and our world. Accountability, we desire to be responsible and transparent in our communication and organizational practices. Early in 2021, Session felt a prompting to pause before moving forward, to enter into a time of repentance. They were led to examine our church community and history and to repent corporately as God led so we could step more fully into the future God has for us. We picked up the vision conversation the following November 2021 and took stock of where we were. In early 2022, we gathered with a consultant named Mike Waselick, who was instrumental in helping us to see what was unique about Courtright and determine our mission. Things we just thought were normal or that every church did, Mike was able to say, no, that is unique to Courtright, or that is something you consistently care about, and that's not true of every church. We then had a follow-up session in the spring as we moved towards identifying our mission. This took some time. A number of meetings of a visioning working group, homework, listening prayer, and session and senior staff retreats. 
For the following six months, we wrestled to put together how we were sensing God leading us and what words best describe this. In the fall of 2022, a working group met in the boardroom with Mike to finalize our statements. I still remember, and you can ask anyone in the room that day, when we had finally written the words on the page, I totally teared up. We had finally arrived. Despite the perhaps less than direct path, despite going down for a time when we wanted to go up, despite not feeling like we knew the way, it felt like we finally made it to highest peak. We had clarity for our mission statement. We could see the view and it was really moving for us all. In early 2023, we started working to determine our related vision statements. The vision statements expand on our mission statements to clarify the particular way we want to live out our mission at this time. We finalized them in the spring of 2023 and are now at a new phase in this process. We're in the implementation stage. We want to order Courtright around our mission. In this, we're working to communicate the mission and vision, help people understand what they are and why they matter. Sessions asked me to work with ministries and committees to consider how they can align with our mission and vision. So this fall with our various teams, we will be asking what do we need to stop doing, start doing, or change how we're doing. These words are not meant to just be posted on a wall. They're meant to have flesh and blood and be lived out, to be embodied, to inspire, to focus, to determine, to embolden. And that's where we are now. Won't you join us as we aim to be rooted in Jesus, growing as a community, and becoming trusted neighbors? So if you missed the video last week, like we said, we'd love for you to take a few minutes. We, we want you to help understand what's gone into this process and what's been involved so that you can be with us in this as we continue to seek how God is leading us in this process. So check out our website if you missed the introduction last week. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes each week to stay tuned with us as we continue seeing how we are uh, trying to live this out together. I'd now like to introduce Ed Dixon for us and invite him to come up. We're so glad to have Ed and Natasha and Steffi here with us this morning. It's always a joy to have you and your family here. And so, uh, Ed, please come forward. I'd love to pray for you. Ed oversees a ministry in Ukraine called Loads of Love. And uh, it's always uh, really significant for us to get to hear how God is work at work in that part of the world, especially with everything that's going on these days. So thank you for being here and uh, love to pray for you. God, we thank you so much for Ed. We thank you for his team and loads of love and all that they offer in care and service. And we pray that you would bless that work and their ministry. And we thank you now for Ed as he comes to speak. God, would you give him uh, your words and your truth? Would you help us to hear something of you and of your truth? And would you use that to draw us closer to yourself? We thank you for him and for his heart and love for you. And just pray your blessing on him as he leads us now. In your name, amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be here. Very excited to be back at Courtright. I started speaking at Courtright when Courtright was on Courtright. <laughs> so, so that's how long I've actually been coming here. And I, I really, really uh, just literally am inspired when I come here and just seeing what's happening here. So excited. And how Allison could turn that message into an inspiring message, you know, like uh, that was really, seriously. Uh, I wanted to stay and be involved, like uh, just awesome. I, uh, I really am uh, just feeling blessed. I, I, when I first started coming, um, um, 
it was just amazing for me because I was raised in a Mennonite church. I got saved in a Pentecostal church. And then I came to the Presbyterian church. <laughs> I think I found where I belong, you know, like uh, just really, really enjoy it here. And I'm, I, I hope uh, that I can be a bit inspiring for you today in your faith, in your journey of faith, and uh, provide some inspiration. Um, I want you to help me, though, this morning. This is, this is something I've, I felt very strongly that I wanted to do today, and I just want you to join me in this. So when I go like this, if I do this, you know, while I, what I want you to do is I want you to say, then Jesus... Okay? That's all you got to do. We're going to give it a try. Okay? Let me just do it. Let's try it. Oh, perfect. You guys are amazing. That was really good, actually. Um, So uh, it goes like this. So here's a a guy who was uh, born in Leamington, Ontario, raised on a tomato farm, uh, just doing what I thought was right in life. But uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I ended up empty, lost, divorced. I lost my family, uh, just really without purpose in life, and I ended up developing severe problems with alcohol, became an alcoholic, and I really was empty, just genuinely empty, even though I was trying my best. Came into my life changed my life, forgave my sins, washed me as white as snow, genuinely gave me a purpose in life, that I felt a purpose and a mission. And not only that, gave me a beautiful family. Uh, I met my wife after I was in Ukraine for seven years, and uh, she has changed my life, continued to change my life. She's here today. I'm going to have her stand up. Uh, This is Natasha. Yeah, and uh, our youngest one here, Steffi, just really what God has done, I think it's, it's genuinely worth thanking God every moment we can for the things that he has done in our life, for the ways that he changes our lives with a little bit of faith on our part, a little bit of belief on our part changes everything. And I've been so blessed. I mean, just look at the, I'm surrounded by beautiful girls. <laughs> it's uh, it just really, really satisfying to be at this stage in my life and to see what God is doing. Uh, our littlest one, you know, she's just six years old. At this point, you're looking at me, you're wondering, how old is that dude, right? <laughs> so, but uh, God has blessed us. And uh, uh, this beautiful girl with us, just the blessings that she brings. I prayed really hard when she was born. I prayed, Lord, give me the energy to be the father that she needs, you know. And you know what? God gives you just what you need. It's amazing how God gives us just what we need when we ask him. It was last November. I spoke here last summer, and last November... Uh, I walked down the stairs in our house, and, I, and for some reason, Steffi was downstairs. And I, as I got to the bottom of the stairs, I looked at her, and she was white as a sheet, and she was standing there hanging onto the door, and I'm, what, what is going on? And she looked at me, and she said, 
Dad, I just feel like I want to cry. And I realized immediately that something was terribly wrong. And we rushed her to the hospital. We got into the hospital, and they just went like a swarm of bees on her and began doing tests and everything. And the doctor actually came to me and said, uh, I'm very sorry, but your daughter is dying. And I was, I was stunned. I was just, I couldn't believe it that this was actually happening. And of course, I'm praying inside. I'm, I'm uh, wondering what's going on. And, and they began to tell us as they were rushing her to a sick kids hospital in Toronto, uh, there, was a, there was a group of doctors, in, like we live in Barrie right now, they were there in Barrie, it seemed like in no time, I don't know where they came from and how they got there that fast and they took her off to Toronto, they began blood transfusions, they were telling us that for some reason her immune system had begun, rather than attacking her infection, was attacking her own red blood cells and she was bleeding internally. And uh, stunned, you know, just uh, completely wondering what to do. Finally, at the hospital, uh, we'd been there for a few days and, and several blood transfusions later. Um, we were sitting there, it was a Sunday afternoon, and she was in her bed. Amen. Healed our daughter just completely healed her. Just in a moment, suddenly the life came back into her and she was, she was just, not just 100%, but 110%. And we saw, we saw a miracle right in front of our eyes and I will, you know, proclaim it forever. We kept pictures and everything from her, for her just so she would know that God did a miracle in her life. And, and she's a miracle to us. In uh, A while ago, we were... Uh, at night, you know, just laying together in the bed, and I was reading a children's Bible to her, just going through the, and reading, and suddenly she stopped me. She said, Dad, I have something I want to tell you. And I said, what's that? She said, good always wins. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, where did you learn that? She said, I just know that. And I was just like, you know, as a dad, right? Like we're so proud of our kids and just, I was just so amazed that this had come out of her just in the middle of this. And so I went on reading and then she stopped me again. She said, dad, I need to tell you something else. And I said, what's that? She said, never give up. <laughs> and at that point I was like, wow, where's this coming from? And uh, as I went on reading, she said, dad, I think we need to tell our friends in Ukraine about that. Wow. It was like the Holy Spirit had spoken through a little girl to me. And what I did was I began to share that message uh, with the pastors. And we were just over in Ukraine again this summer. I took my, yes, I took my wife and children to a war zone. Not completely normal. But uh, uh, we, we had an amazing time. If you show the next picture, you'll see... Steffi there with some of the pastors and leaders in Ukraine. And, uh, I had her with me and sharing that message with the pastors there was just unbelievable. The anointing and the power of God that came through that message when, when I was speaking to the people there. And we actually got a picture with her together. And we've just been absolutely blown away with how God does these amazing things. If you go to the next picture... 
I just want to share a little bit about uh, when I went to Ukraine, it's uh, about 25 years ago already. The first time I got there, I was doing some agricultural work, but then God led me eventually to an orphanage, an orphanage that had 126 severely disabled children, many of them without arms, without legs, and, and the conditions in the orphanage were really bad when I went there the first time. We brought some toys there that a friend from Canada, he had brought this suitcase full of toys. We walked into this orphanage, and it was horrible, like just... I think just the, um, not just the conditions, but knowing that these children were all abandoned by their parents, and that they all knew that their parents were out there somewhere but didn't want them. And just this feeling of uh, this deficit of love, this love. And then as we uh, spoke with the children, you know, just, just hearing some of the stories and realizing how long some of them had been. I left the orphanage that day, the very first day I went there, for the first time in my new, vibrant Christian life, I doubted that God even existed. Because how could he do that? How, how could he allow that to happen? What had these children done to deserve that? And... changed me on the inside, helped me to realize, and this may not seem like a big revelation for you, but for me at the time, I realized that he had sent me to that orphanage, right? Because God needs us. We're his hands and feet on earth to do his will. And it was a huge revelation for me, and we began to dig in and just, you know, do everything we could to change that place. And many of you have heard some of the stories about children, children that God has done amazing things with. Uh, young boy, for example, Anton, who has now won two uh, silver medals and two gold medals at the Paralympic Games. Uh, just the amazing things that God has done through some of these kids. And this young lady here we met when she was 10 years old. Her name is Natasha. Uh, you can just imagine... Um, you know, what her life was like when we first met her. And she felt, you know, she knew her parents were out there. She knew everything that had gone on. And, and she was very aware of uh, the issues that she would face in her life, in her situation, especially in the country of Ukraine. But <laughs> changed everything. Jesus told her, you know, you did not come to this earth from your parents. He told her, you have come to this earth through your parents, from God, your Father. He sent you here, and he has a plan for your life. And so it wasn't surprising when at the orphanage, uh, uh, Natasha one day met an art teacher who came into the orphanage, and, and the art teacher told me he was standing there, and Natasha came up on a little platform with four wheels on it. Somebody pulled her up. And she was just looking at him, and she said, I want to paint. And he, was, he said to me later, he was feeling so awkward, like, what do you mean you want to paint? And, and she said, put the brush in my mouth. And if you go to the next picture, there it is. This began to come out of her, like just unbelievable 
holding a brush in her mouth, she began to do things that we, even, you know, all of us that worked with her were just completely amazed. And eventually, uh, she was honored on national television in Ukraine as one of the heroes of Ukraine. On, on national television, she was asked to speak if she wanted to say something to the whole country. And she said, yes, I do want to say something. And it was just quiet. She, she had this amazing pause. She just looked out and she said, I think we should just all love each other a little more. And what an amazing message for the entire nation at that time, you know, to hear that from her. If you go to the next picture, um, when the war started in Ukraine, we moved uh, over 1,000 orphan children out of the country and from dangerous areas. Natasha was one of them, moved eventually to Romania. And then we heard that Canada had opened up, you know, that people could come here from Ukraine. And uh, so Natasha contacted me and said, Ed, I think uh, uh, I have this chance to come to Canada. So we brought her. And I contacted a pastor in Sarnia, Ontario, and he said, he said, you need a place for it. Wow. So he contacted different people. Eventually, this building, Wellington Flats in Sarnia, which is run by the Vision organization down there, told us they have an apartment for her that they're going to give her free of charge until the end of the year for her to stay in. We moved her here. If you go to the next picture, you know, just an amazing apartment where she continues to do her artwork. And I got a call from the uh, government of Canada. Someone in the government of Canada called me and said, uh, are you the one that's responsible for bringing this girl here? And I said, yes. And they said, why would you do that? And I was like, what do you mean? And they said, well, can you imagine the cost? Because we had brought a caregiver from Ukraine. What if she leaves? Who's going to take care of her? Have you planned for the costs of all the, you know, uh, everything that she's going to need, being a, a quadriplegic? And I said, I'm sorry, like we never, we just were getting her to a safe place and we brought her here. And uh, I began to think, like, what are we going to do? And so I thought to myself, well, if she had permanent residence, and I was told by different people she'll never get permanent residence here. But we decided to apply anyway and <laughs> did a miracle. We applied, and she got her permanent residence in two weeks. Two weeks. Like, if anybody here knows anything about applying for permanent residence, that just doesn't happen. But it happened for her. It was just an amazing, like, I contacted her. I said, are you sure? Like, like maybe, maybe they're just telling you that they received your application. She's like, no. They sent, and she sent me a copy of what she received. She got her permanent res residency, and it's just amazing. So, and the place where she's staying, because the, her year ended up, you know, she had free rent, like no rent, and her year ended, and uh, they contacted me. They said, we're going to keep her here. She can stay here, but she's going to have to pay rent. And they said, $400 a month. <laughs> I said, that's amazing. So Natasha contacted me, and she said, is that too much? I said, Natasha, <laughs> listen, you want to stay there for the rest of your life. Like, just, 
don't leave that apartment. She said, really? Really? That's a good deal? Oh, like, believe me, amazing deal. We go to the next picture. In Ukraine, uh, of course, we've seen just unbelievable devastation. And our, we have 40 workers in Ukraine, over 100 churches that we're partnering with, and uh, it they were completely caught off guard. 95% at least of the people that I know over there did not believe that Russia was going to invade. Like, for what purpose? Like, it didn't make any sense. There was no logic to it. And yet when it happened, uh, it was really like the greatest storm. Um, and they had been through a lot. Ukrainians have been through a lot. But this was beyond anything that they had experienced. Certainly anyone alive there had never experienced something like that. Um, and really, genuinely, people were left with uh, fear. And Jesus changed everything. He provided the resources for us to uh, help people, evacuate people. We evacuated over 10,000 people from dangerous war zones in Ukraine. 10,000 people, uh, about 130 of them came out of this building. They were in a bomb shelter under this building. I was there later on, afterward, when the building was hit by missiles, and the uh, bomb shelter that was under this building was completely destroyed. We had evacuated those people two weeks before this happened, and uh, really genuinely saving people's lives. And uh, we have 17 vehicles that were going like constantly, every day in and out. The amazing uh, testimonies of, of uh, the people whose lives were, were really saved. One of the pastors, his name is Sergey. he was uh, driving people in and out. He had uh, 19 people in a Dodge minivan <laughs> taking them out of uh, Chuguyev, which is east of uh, Kharkiv. And um, he said he was driving along, and he realized one of the gas stations along the way was actually open. So he immediately pulled in, and he got in there, and he realized that someone at the gas station had made all these hot dogs. And so he immediately bought all the hot dogs for all the people in the van. And he told me he took them out and gave everybody in the van a hot dog and then kept on his way, and he's driving along. And the, one of the ladies near him in the front uh, was just weeping as she was eating the hot dog. And uh, he said uh, to her, trying to kind of make the moment a little lighter, he said, is the hot dog okay? And she looked at him, she said, I haven't eaten anything in six days. So they had, he realized they had run out of food and, and people there really hadn't eaten anything in that amount of time. But then as he was talking to her, he realized it wasn't so much the hot dog that was making her weep. It was the fact she actually said that people were just continuing on with their lives. Outside of the bomb shelter, life was just going on. There were gas stations and hot dogs, and, and they thought it was the end of the world, you know, in the, when they were in the bomb shelter. Um, and she was just so amazed. It was such a shock to her that life was still going on in other places, and that's why she was weeping. God provided the resources for us. Get this. If you go to the next picture, I think it's the next one there. Um, we provided groceries, like full sets of groceries that would last people for two weeks 
We provided groceries to 100, over 150,000 families since the war started. The year before the war started, we took groceries, like it was actually during the COVID time when things had shut down, we delivered groceries to just over 10,000 families, and we thought we had hit it out of the park, you know? Like we thought that was just, and now to have been able to do that uh, since the war started had just really been miraculous. We were able to uh, uh, provide food. If you go show the next picture, through the uh, Gleaners organization, which is in Cambridge, that uh, does all the soup mix and everything. They've been providing the soup mix for us. Uh, we have provided single-serving meals to over 2 million people since the war started. Just an amazing uh, uh, miracle that God has done. If you go to the next picture, uh, we've been able to provide you know, all kinds of assistance to children in Ukraine. Uh, there's Pastor Pasha up there in the uh, back in his purple shirt, a guy who was working uh, mostly as a plumber. And uh, when the war started, he just began to reach out and to start these children's groups in different areas to give hope to the kids. Uh, bring it, love the flag, too. You can see a mix of Canada and Ukraine in the flag. And just uh, uh, through these... Pastor Pasha and different pastors over there doing children's ministries that we've been supporting, they have started over 25 new churches just since the war started and seen just amazing miracles of things happening that uh, really have even surprised us. So, the, you know, if you think about it, it's like there's this massive kind of like chess game, Right? And the devil on one side is trying to kill, destroy, moving his uh, pieces around to, to try to win. <laughs> on the other side, right? Moves the rook and the bishop and says, checkmate. And this is the amazing thing that even in the storms of life, in the horrible things that happen, God can somehow turn them around and do something amazing. Just my estimation, based on all the ministers and ministries and different things in Ukraine, since the war started, roughly two million people have prayed and given their lives to Jesus Christ. 10,000 years from now, I can tell you this. If you're a believer, you and I are going to be in heaven together. <laughs> 10,000 years from now. And you know what? We're not going to remember the war or be talked about. We're going to see those 2 million people in heaven for eternity. And I think somehow, if you think about it in a kingdom sense, that's more important than anything Lives change, not only here on earth right now, but in eternity, forever. And I wonder sometimes about that. I wonder about our perspective on storms and problems in life. You know, I was walking out of the church a little while ago, and there were some ladies coming in. They were coming in uh, to the church, and they said, Hi, Ed. And I said, Hi. And, and uh, they said, we're coming into the church. We're going to pray for revival in Canada. 
I said, that's fantastic. I said, we have revival in Ukraine right now because of the war. And the one lady looked at me, she said, maybe we should be careful what we pray for. <laughs> and it kind of caught me, you know, when she said that, like, maybe you're right, you know. But it's amazing if you think about it. Many of us came to Christ or came to faith when storms happened in our lives. It caused us to reevaluate our priorities and our what was really important to us and and the benefits of faith, believing. If you go to the next picture, here is uh, Pastor Sergey. There in uh, he's in the city of Zaporozhye or Zaporizhia. Uh, that's where the uh, nuclear plant is, you often hear about, that was taken over and in danger. And uh, many people are worried that it may go up and cause great damage in that area. Sergey's from there. He worked as a pastor for 24 years in Zaporozhye and had 15 people up and down a little bit, but around 15 people in his church. And I remember Sergey for many years, he would say, someday I'm going to have a big church and God is going to bring people in and we're going to do so much to help people. And he was always like prophesying, you know, in faith about what God was going to do. But 24 years, 15 people. And he worked full time just to support his family. And then the war came. And their area was just devastated. And they, he lost his job. Most of the people in their church lost their jobs as well. Yes. And Jesus changed everything. Jesus provided him through us with the resources to begin helping people in his area. He was so excited. You know, the, the name of his city is Zaporozhye. Well, the Zap, that's Sergey. <laughs> He's the Zap. And he just started to go out helping people, bringing food to people, uh, inviting uh, refugees from the area south of the city into his church and saying, we can help you. We'll, we'll somehow provide a way. And uh, an amazing thing happened. If you go to the next picture, this is Sergei's church today. Packed. When I was there just a couple months ago, there were over 400 people in the hall. I walked in, like before the, this was not, this was during the service, but I walked in before the service. It was about 30 minutes before the service, and every chair was already full. People were in there waiting, and they didn't come to the service to get food or, you know, other help. That, that was done during the week. They came to the service to pray. They came to the service to believe. They came to the service for hope and faith in their life. And there were over 100 people standing outside the main hall, 100 people in the hallway that couldn't get a seat in the service. Just phenomenal what, what God is doing there. And to see how uh, the church is now providing hope. In fact, of all the aid and help that is getting to the people of Ukraine today, over 85% is being provided by the church. And the people there, of course they see that. They see where the help is coming from. They see, you know, that the, the churches are really doing everything they can to make a difference right now 
and it's really changing everything. I think that, is there one more picture? I think that's the last one, right? Yeah. So this is what I wanted to say. Like, and I think um, this was really kind of uh, put in a perfect way just a little while ago, again, by our daughter, Steffi. We were at a museum. We were looking at some of the paintings, and all of a sudden there was this big painting of Jesus walking on the water. And Peter, kind of nearby, sinking. And uh, Steffi said, I know that picture. And her mom said, you, you know that picture? She said, yes. That's Peter sinking. And she said, <laughs> Natasha wanted to use it kind of like a teaching moment for Steffi. And she said, do you know why he's sinking? And she said, yes, of course I do. Jesus said to him, why did you stop looking in my eyes? And it just really, again, was this message from the Holy Spirit to us. When the storms in life come, what do we need to do? Have faith. Have faith. Not doubt. But have faith. God is up to something. And God will turn these storms into great things. And I have certainly realized at this point in my life from what's happened in Ukraine, I have realized that when the storms in life come, if we have faith, we will walk on the water with Jesus. Thank you very much.